Welcome everybody once again to the magic table. We are so glad that you joined us and yeah, we're talking about a really fun topic today, right? It is fun, but it makes me feel a little bit nervous. Why? <laughs> I don't know. Like just talking about it makes you feel nervous? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, sorry. So JJ's nervous. <laughs> I'm excited. And that's our feelings right now. On so, brand. Yeah. We've named them. Uh, so we are talking uh, this week about something kind of going on in our lives. Uh, a big change for us, which is JJ launching her own practice. If you haven't seen it on the Facebook or the Instagram, it is true. It is called With Counseling. And uh, JJ's just jumping both feet into her own practice. We're building a business. We're building is... a business. And maybe that's why I feel nervous. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I'm, all, I'm still just excited. So, you know, maybe I'll get nervous as things progress here. Or if like no one... No one comes to my well, counseling. That, that could be that could be room for getting a little nervous, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there, you know. Uh, but it's it's good. It's it's a life change. So we just wanted to talk a little bit, maybe about with counseling first of all, just from like broad perspective, just kind of telling people about what's going on. But then I wanted to like kind of get into the nitty gritty of like even the why behind doing this and why we think therapy is important because obviously we talk about it a lot uh so talk about the why behind therapy and yeah talk about life i think a lot will a lot of our magic tableness will come out in this conversation about therapy and the importance of it yeah yeah perfect well so do you want to kind of i don't know just talk about even the evolution of like with counseling and how this all sort of came about yeah. Well, I mean, it's super, to me, it feels super ironic because never in a million years would I have dreamed this is what I was doing. I actually had a coworker who left the job we had last year and to um, start his own practice. And he kind of encouraged me to consider doing the same. And I was like, mm, no, thanks. No way. <laughs> I mean, honestly, this is really just kind of evolved since November of, um, you know, I'm working in the school system right now. And if you have any knowledge of a school system anywhere in the U S I think, uh, (laughs) right now, um, you're probably aware that, you know, social emotional learning is, uh, not well thought of, which, isn't anything new to education. There's just, can you explain just what that? Sure. I mean, it's a lot of it is just, um, it's things that like we did as kids, like in school, like character work. And yes, there is more now like naming emotion, helping kids understand grief. Um, like it is more in depth, but this is not some new thing to education. Like so much of SEL work is just in the fabric of school. It's teaching kids to be kind, how to be a good citizen, how like all the things that really have probably existed in education for a really long time. And now all of a sudden the work that I do is now like indoctrinating children and teaching critical race theory. Yeah. Neither of which are true about what and really is not even at all what I do in my role, but just in a in a school setting, I think it's much more challenging to be a mental health professional than it has been previously. Um 
I mean, the hardest thing for me about the thought of leaving my job is I'm a part of an incredible team. They have been my community. I talked about them a couple episodes ago. Um, my boss is just a phenomenal human and being under her leadership for the last year has been a masterclass in grace, in kindness, advocacy. I, I, I will forever be a better clinician. What? We're like five minutes in <laughs> and I'm already a, tearing. It's going to be a long episode. <laughs> um, but I just, it has been so good. And I think that's why it's hard to consider leaving. Um, and um, I commute about an hour each way um, to my job currently. That has not been great for our family. And while my team is incredible, when you are really working upstream to do a job that feels like it's appropriate for all humans, let alone all kids, especially kids who've lived through a pandemic. There's, you know, all sorts of social stresses that we don't understand as grownups because we didn't have the internet and social media and all of these things. And so um, it's really hard to be in a system that isn't serving kids in the way that I think we need to be. And so, um. Yeah, I think as things happen for us, we were literally driving to Amarillo for Thanksgiving and kind of being like, what if, what if we did something different? And just kind of talking about what that would look like and realizing that this is probably what's best for our family. Um, I'll be, my practice will just be virtual, Um, which... I actually, you know, was a therapist during the pandemic, so I'm incredibly familiar with all the technology and how to do that. I, you know, I had lots of clients that I actually never met in person. And even when I opened back up after, you know, when I felt comfortable at Tiller to start seeing people in person again, a lot of my people just stayed virtual because it's super convenient. They don't have to drive far. And I think had I not had my experience at Tiller, I probably would not be comfortable to do this. Um, but, you know, working with Matt at Tiller and having those years of learning, I'm really confident that I have the skill set. Um, I can build rapport over a computer with people. Um, I've done it before and I'm excited to do it again. And so I think so much of this and really the entirety of my employment history is God is always working at my work, preparing me for the next thing. And sometimes like it's A to B to C and I can clearly map it. And sometimes it's like A to F back to D over, you know, to S. Um, and, and I think this is just one of those times that it is very clear to me in hindsight to see all the ways that God has prepped me for this transition, but I think it's really clear. This is where we are. And yeah. this is, I'm really excited about it. I don't know if it's because I've been in the field long enough or, you know, this old like turning 40, but um, I'm just confident. Like I'm a, I'm a really good clinician. I know that about myself. I'm not everybody's clinician, but I know I'm really 
I'm really good at being a therapist. And so I'm, I'm really excited to return to this work. Yeah, it's good. I mean, for people who maybe don't know every ins and out of our lives. So Tiller was the therapy practice you worked at previously for five years, which you, four, four years, five years. I don't remember. Which you, I mean, you and Matt's, he started the practice and you were his first, you know, therapist, therapist there. Brought on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, um, have we ever talked about this on the podcast? I don't, who knows? If we don't know, nobody else knows. <laughs> I'm going to guarantee that. Um, so the fun, funny thing about Tiller is our friend Matt had said for years, you know, you and he would have lunch or whatever and just connect as friends. And he always said, like, I'm going to start a practice and I want JJ to go with me. And I was always like, oh, that's cute. Like, I will never be a, you know, social worker who does therapy. Like, I'm a community mental health girl and that is my love. And I was at the hospital. Things had gotten really hard there. What do you mean you were at the hospital? Oh, yeah. I wasn't at the hospital as a patient. I was working at a hospital. Working at the hospital in the emergency department. Yes. As a social worker. Social worker. Yes. And again, just it was a job that I was there for six years, which is the longest I've ever worked anywhere in my life, uh, which feels like an accomplishment. I know for a lot of people, that's not a big deal. It was a big deal for me. Um, But just realizing that job was getting more challenging because the acuity of people we were seeing was getting more challenging. And so we were actually at another friend's kid birthday party. And I was like, hey, Matt, that practice thing. Could we just talk about what that would be? And as it turns out, it was about nine months, I guess, before he was planning on starting his practice. We started having conversation about what that would look like. And I decided to join him in Tiller opened, I think in May of 2017. Yeah. So yeah, I did that until we moved here. So let's recap. So for six, seven years, you said you would never, ever do individual therapy because you were way hard, more hardcore than that. You'd rather get paid very little, very, to very really, little really hard to do work. incredibly <laughs> like emotionally, mentally, sometimes physically taxing work versus, and it was just like my own preconceived notions about like who I, well, I'm still recapping. Oh, okay. But, but you're incredibly good looking, smart and humble husband said for years that you should do this thing that you said you would never do. Right? Yeah, but I don't really like to listen to what you say <laughs> yeah. until I'm ready to Til make a choice. Until somebody else says it and that it's a good idea. I mean, you and Matt had both been That's talking true. to me for That's a long true. time and I said no to both of you. <laughs> and then I just had to say yes to him because he was the person right. actually starting to yeah. think. But I mean, let's be real. You tell me lots of things and I'm like, mm, cool. Until it's my idea, I'm not doing it. And there's marriage, folks. <laughs> There's uh, our marriage. I don't know about other people. <laughs> but, <laughs> that works for them. But all that to say, it ended up being something you really, really loved. Really, really loved. And I found yeah. I was really, really good at. Yeah. Um, but again, all those stepping stones, like you wouldn't have felt comfortable doing 
individual therapy had you not worked in the emergency room, room and seen all and, and seen any all like, the things ev- everything you could see yeah right? i mean you yeah and kind of that like how my story has zigzagged so much part of the reason i got the job i have now is because i'm a tbri practitioner and i had experience training well that's because replanted like britain wasn't even one yet when i came down here to get my practitioner training gosh so and then because i got that training we had the opportunity to do the parent training as lay people where we could train parent like adopted and parent, yeah, parents yeah for trauma informed parenting right. which gave me the opportunity to teach also the replanted conference you know like it's still it is not my favorite thing like if you know me in real life you know standing in front of humans and talking about really anything isn't my jam but all of this experience that i'd had because of opportunities that replanted had given us like brought me to this job and right. so it's just yeah it's, it's a little all bit worked. of a theology of hustle episode right there <laughs> <laughs> just just how god works everything uh, together and now i think had you not done the practice with matt even like done the COVID during COVID for sure. Virtually we would not be launching a business right now. Correct. Had you not had all of that yep. already in the hopper. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and so, yeah, it's pretty cool, I guess, just how everything sort of works together. And, you know, so this, I mean, with counseling is a culmination of your, you know, f- 15 years. No. How long have we been years? married? Yeah, I took like a year ish off. So 17, 17 I mean, years of experience. In the field, yeah. yeah. And six of those doing individual therapy. Yeah. And this is sort of the culmination of that, which is pretty cool, you know, yeah. um, and a cool launching point. So, so do you want to talk just a little bit? Like, can you explain the name? Like, how, like the whole thing, like how it all kind of came about? I guess. Yeah. I guess first off, shout out to the people who are listening who, we're so excited. Yes. When Thank you. we launched on social yeah. media. <laughs> Sharing Be- is caring. Sh- and like actually created some momentum for me in the practice. Um, practically, I also don't think I realized how meaningful it would feel to have so many kind words. Um, yeah. Like online, but also the people who took the time to text and be like, I can't believe you're doing this. This is so exciting. Or, oh my gosh, I just saw your announcement on social media. Tell me all about it. Um, Not only did it feel real. um, So naming something like this is a (laughs) undertaking. Like a lot of the names I was interested in were already taken because Mm -hmm. that's how the world works. And now like you can Google things and find out all the things that exist. And so trying to come up with a name was really, really hard. And I was like trying to be like, do I pick like a Greek word or a Hebrew word that means something? But then I no had one... all my dictionaries out. <laughs> <laughs> all my Greek and Hebrew, like, yeah. But then it's like weird. And I don't want to be like, I didn't want it to be super Jesus-y because I want all people to feel comfortable there. I also didn't want it to be so obscure that people are like, what the heck is that? And so 
Um, I was listening to a podcast, ironically, the same podcast that I was listening to when I decided Curry should launch a podcast like five years, yeah. five years ago. Crazy. Yeah, I was 35, I turned 35, yeah. Um, Emily P. Freeman just speaks to my soul. <laughs> the Lord uses her. And she was just talking. I really don't even remember what the episode was about. Um, but she was just saying like, and it's sometimes it's just being with. And I was like, with, with. She might have referenced scripture. I don't know. But it was just one of those things that just started like rolling around in my brain. And I thought, I, I don't know if anyone out there listening has ever like read therapist profiles or looked at websites, but so much of it to me is like jargony mm-hmm. fluff, like, please like me. And that's just, I maybe should be more of that than I am. But that's just not who I am, I think, as a person or as a clinician. I just kept getting this idea of with. And I thought, that is probably my strongest skill. I know how to be with people um, in their darkest days, during their hardest times. I'm happy to journey with And so I remember kind of telling Curry like, hey, so I kind of think I have this uh, idea because it just feels really vulnerable to say like, I think I know what it is. And so Curry was like totally on board and started doing the like looking up businesses and other practices. And we realized like, oh, this is not mind boggling, (laughs) not claimed that which is crazy. And so he started doing all the like important businessy stuff that you have to do to like launch a business, like file with the state and all of that stuff. And he kept saying like, do you want me to buy the domain name? Do you want me to file? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And so then it was kind of like, oh gosh, we're doing this. I guess you should file. And then we'd kind of like done all the stuff to like make it official with the state of Texas. And I was like, I don't know. I think it's a terrible name. And I think we should like (laughs) totally go back to the drawing board. Like that money's already in, sweetie. (laughs) You're committed. And um, so per the usual, Curry kind of talked me off the ledge and assured me that this was really fitting. And honestly, I don't think I realized how much I needed like affirmation on social media of people who actually know me saying like, this is you. This name embodies who you are. And I was like, well, good, because that's what it's going to (laughs) be. Because Curry already built a website. So yeah, just caveat to your kindness meant more to me than you could know. Your shares and your kind words when you shared, like blew me away also this whole week that this like we decided we were launching wednesday we've been in an ice storm in dfw our children have been home the whole week no school um and so it kind of gave us time to do to launch it gave me time to do more stuff to get the business ready to go and so 
to be sitting at home, you know, for five days, really stuck at home, felt like COVID all over again. And the outpouring of kindness and support like meant the literal world. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, it was really fun uh, launching, putting something out there like that into the world, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it, it feels so vulnerable to be like, Hey, here's this yeah. thing that I'm like really proud of and really scared to share and to have such a warm reception felt awesome. I told Curry, I mean, it was a literal Instagram post saying like, I'm starting a business that like, I mean, I wouldn't even see anyone who I'm friends with. Like, it's not even a service right. that they personally will use. And it felt so vulnerable. I'm like, how do people like launch books or like things that are deeply, deeply personal? And yeah, so it felt super personal. And your your kindness was a gift. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's exciting. Uh, it's an exciting time. I'd love to just talk a little bit just about like we've kind of gone through the the whys and and all of that stuff, but just about therapy, you know. I feel like like our generation, I think, has started this whole sort of like, yeah, we're all like getting therapy and it's awesome, and you know, like literally everybody in our family's in therapy, you know. But I still feel like there. So I feel like I guess there's 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 way less stigma about mm-hmm. therapy, but you also run into those people that are like emotions are dumb and like going to therapy is stupid, you know, sort of deal, um, in your, in your life sometimes. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So I guess just unpack like why, you know, individual therapy so captivated you and how you talk to uh, people about the importance of that sort of stuff. Okay. So my biggest soapbox about therapy, especially with Christians, I've probably talked about this before, but it's worth <laughs> bringing back every time we talk about this. Um, I so often, I think Christian people in particular, depression, anxiety, addiction are kind of like, you know, you pray that away, like be faithful to God and he will take that away from you, which is terrible advice. I don't believe is biblical. And also like is often really shameful yeah it also i think diminishes that god has created people like me Mm. whose spiritual gifting and skill set is to walk with people and so when especially christian people say like there is not value for mental health people it's like saying that the way god created me doesn't have value Mm. and like that's not cool (laughs) for starters but like god has gifted lots of his children in ways that we can navigate tricky things with people and like it is our life's call and so just to devalue that sucks i also think like yes i have known people that they fervently prayed and the Lord took those things from them. But as Christians, so often it's kind of like, you're not doing enough and it's like your responsibility to like fix this thing and you're not a good enough Christian or whatever. And I'm like, that is not the gospel as I understand it. So quit saying that to people, help them find a therapist. Like that is actually your job (laughs) in 
you know, walking alongside the people in your life. So just stop. Stop diminishing like who I'm created to be. That's my big soapbox. There you go. I love it. But I think there's so much about therapy that's misunderstood. I think a lot of times just the idea that you only go to therapy when you're in crisis so much. Um, at Tiller, I saw lots and lots of couples. And so often I th- I felt like, I mean, yes, whenever you show up at therapy, we'll do the work. But there were definitely couples in honest individuals too. Like, gosh, if you would have called me six months ago, a year ago, the work that we would need to do is not as intense and is not heavy. Like you don't have to wait for your life to be in crisis to seek support. Things can just be a little off and that's enough to need to see somebody. Um, to me, anytime you go through transition, career change, cross country move, um, any sort of loss. And I think, I have so many soapboxes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I mean, this is this is your episode to like jump on all the soapboxes. Okay, I appreciate that yeah, freedom. Like sure. I don't do that on all the episodes we do together. <laughs> but, you know, I think so often um, society kind of outlines for us like what grief looks like. And you can only grieve certain relationships. We really only grieve death. You know, and then it's even like employers, you know, your parent dies and they're like, okay, well you have three days of bereavement to figure that out and then like get it together. Yeah. Um, which yes, we know like hopefully your place of employment would give you more grace or allow you more time. But I also know plenty of places that don't. And so we kind of have this idea that like grief needs to be addressed quickly and it's only death. And so often as humans, we experience losses of like a dream, something we thought we would always, we were moving to, or maybe it's the loss of like a dream that we had for one of our children. You know, maybe they have, we envisioned parenting to be a way and it's just something different. And to parent well, we have to grieve the loss of what we expected mm. to parent the children we have well. People don't talk about that. Mm. And so, I mean, I think the loss of friendship, I had two clients, separate clients who had losses of like close, like intimate friendship that we spent lots of, lots of months processing. Like those are all things that weren't going to therapy as are like I just feel anxious or maybe my kids are starting school and I look at the world around me and that feels less safe. Like it does not have to be like my life is in shambles. Help me put the pieces back together. It can be, I feel a little uneasy showing up for my life day to day. Help me cope with that. Yeah. Well, and like you said, I mean, so many people like don't, (laughs) you know, don't go see somebody when like those little things are happening and those little things just like spiral out of control until they're like wrecking a lot of big things. And then you're in big trouble Mm -hmm. and it would have been a lot easier to deal with those things when they were small things rather than let them become big things. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, I mean, 
Yeah, it makes sense. But we all sort of do it. It's like, I'm fine. You know, our, our culture is so, you know, like you said, just about like, you know, just get up and dust yourself off and like, just keep going and you'll be fine. You know? And it's like, um, yeah, I, I think, yeah, there's, I have my soapboxes on this too, but I think our, our just even like, we don't in our, in most of our daily lives, like we live very individualistic lives. Like we don't have community around us all the time, you know? And, and in a lot of ways, that loneliness is what can lead to those like, things that aren't, aren't working correctly. And, and sometimes you just need somebody to like process things with, you know, it's very simple. I guess. And like, I don't know. I also think a lot of times people show up to therapy expecting the therapy, their expectation is that like they'll come to therapy. A therapist will like tell them what to do or how to do things differently. And then like, it'll fix it. And the reality is like, I mean, I feel like so much of the work I did was just like normalize people's feelings. Like sometimes people start to feel less anxious when you just have someone saying like, yeah, I can understand how that would make you feel that way. And it's like, what? I thought there was something the matter with me to have someone. I mean, even like myself, I'm in therapy right now. Um, And the first time I met with my current therapist I, she was like, you know, what's bringing you here? And I'm like, well, we left ministry. We moved across the country. I was diagnosed with diabetes and it kind of like altered our whole lives. And, um, and I'm in a really high stress job. So I think that's what's going on. And just to have someone say like, wow, you've got a lot going on. Any one of those things would probably warrant you talking to someone. And so to have them all compounded together, was just like, okay, cool. So it's not me. Like life is just a lot right now. Okay, cool. I appreciate that. And so, and sometimes it is in the processing that like you find your own answers. You just need this space. You need to value yourself enough Mm. to give yourself an hour a week to process the things. Preach. Self-care. I mean, yeah. It it is self-care. And I think I was floored by the number of people, not even in my age group, really younger than us, who really therapy was just part. All their people had therapists and it was so normal and they all shared the good ones. And that's how you collect clients really quickly when they're like, hey, I'm talking to JJ. And she's a good, she's a good place to be, to sit and process. And I think, yes, especially in COVID, like we are continuing to move towards therapy being destigmatized, but the reality is there is still very much a stigma with therapy. For sure. And, and I think in full disclosure, it was really hard to put all three of my children in therapy (laughs) As a therapist who really values that, because I think it feels like I'm not doing something right. We have failed in some capacity versus cool. We uprooted our children from the life that they've always known with a community they were really tied to. That's been really hard for us as adults with fully formed brains and coping skills. 
probably really, really challenging for our tiny humans yeah. who aren't really so tiny anymore, but I'm in denial. Yeah. No, that's good. I think that's uh that's important stuff to talk about. Uh, Cause I, I do think, yeah, people don't, people don't realize that you can just go see a therapist, even if stuff isn't like crazy, right. Yeah. And falling apart. So like, maybe we can kind of move into like what that even looks like. Yeah. Of just, I also think people think like, if I start therapy, do I have to go forever? Mm. Do I have to? And like, I saw people that we started out weekly and I saw them weekly for a long time. And then, you know, we could get to a point of like, you seem a little bit more stable. Like things, you know, our sessions, you're not coming to every session with things we need to process could we move to every other week? And it was not uncommon to have people, you know, sometimes I would see people weekly for a year and then they would just show up one day and be like, I feel so much better as a human. I think today's my last day, which is great. I mean, sometimes that is something more planned. You know, I definitely had people that we moved from like weekly to every other week to once a month, to once a quarter, and then, you know, a lot of people were like, I kind of like that quarterly check-in. And then it would be like, cool, quarterly check-in. I am not well. Let's go back to every other week. Or like there is an ebb and flow to what you need. Would you suggest that that's like therapist-led or client-led or how, like how does that work? That's a great question. I think it depends. I definitely had people who were like, I mean, sometimes the reality is it's financial. Sure. I can't afford to see you every week because my deductible is nine bajillion dollars and this is too expensive. And like, yes, you would benefit from weekly s sessions, but like, I want you to be able to put a roof over your head and feed yourself. So like, sure. let's do every other week. Um, I also had clients that it was... I was comfort to them and they wanted to just stick with every week. And so having a conversation about like, I know this is kind of the rhythm that we've established sometimes for years, but you're doing okay. Let's try every other week. Mm. If you need to come back to weekly, I'm always open to that. But I think you're at a place there would be people who'd be like, you know, four weeks in, like, I think I'm good. Let's go every other week and being like, let's process that together. So I think it's an ongoing mm -hmm. conversation. Sure. Clearly, I can't speak to how everyone does it, but I, it, it can go a lot of different ways. I think, I mean, even this time doing therapy, I showed up and was like, hey, I every other week is like where I'm at. I'm not in crisis. Like my therapist is like, that's fine. I think something that really like is hard for people is how to find a good therapist, right? Cause there are like a lot of therapists out there and like, I don't know, even like I, I did this little dance, like trying to find a therapist. I had to find my insurance company and like which ones they were in network and all that stuff. And like, and then I went to a therapist and it was like, ah, this isn't like what I thought. You know, and so we had to make the decision that like I wasn't going to go to that therapist. Like finding a good therapist feels very daunting. So how would you yes. speak to that? Um, I would say it is very okay, daunting perfect. and that 
Like to me, and that just sucks. Yeah. That's the reality of insurance and all the things. I think referrals are really important. Like if you're really seeking therapy, ask your friends who they see. Mm. Because your friends know you and will know. They won't know 100% if their therapist will be a good fit, but it's a starting point. Right. Um, I mean, also as a clinician, to have someone call you and be like, hey, my friend Curry sees you. He says you're awesome. I'd like to start seeing you too. Feels fantastic as a therapist. You also just start with rapport. Sure. Like they're already, they're coming to the session optimistic about the outcome, which is helpful for right. treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think like ask your doctor. Um, I know some doctors just like hand out rando names. Um, I was fortunate enough when I was at Tiller to be connected to a handful of physicians who I knew personally. And so they could refer someone to me and say like, JJ is good. Try her. And yes, there are times that like, oh, she doesn't take your insurance or whatever. But I think doctors can be another great source. It's not ideal. And another way is to just get on psychology today. You can put in your zip code and your insurance and it will pop up a list of therapists. I really believe you can get a flavor of who people are by their like three paragraphs Mm -hmm. on psychology today. I think that's a really hard way to go about it. But Or you can call your insurance company and say, can you send me a list of therapists in my area? Then you can go through and kind of look at their websites. Most people will do like a phone consultation that you can get some sort of like feel about who they are. The other thing that I think is really important to know is like you could go to your best friend's therapist and they're just not a fit for you and you owe nothing to that therapist to keep sticking it out. How do you know if somebody isn't a fit? Like what does that look like? I, well, I'm like, I just know. I mean, okay, so I'm seeing my third therapist. I saw one in Illinois that was not a fit. Be and and for me, like mine was really blatantly obvious. My first therapist, I like told her all the re- like we're moving, we're leaving ministry, and like six months ago, I was given a chronic health diagnosis, and like cried through most of my session. And she was like, "I don't know, you seem to be doing pretty well. I'm not sure that you need to be here." And I was like, "Okay." So I saw her like two more times. I thought maybe it's just an off day. She was ill the first day I saw her. It was virtual. It was fine. I tried a couple more times and I was like, this just isn't, there's no connection here. Sure. The second woman I saw was when we moved here. She was nice enough. She talked a lot about her own stuff in session. And I thought like, "Mm, that's not really why I'm coming here either so I'm on my third one hope being third time's a charm I just think I I do think it's tricky to know like is this just uncomfortable for me exactly or is this not a good fit yeah because if maybe they're asking questions that you don't necessarily I mean not, not in an inappropriate way but questions that like you're not ready to sort of like delve into or maybe just like bringing up 
painful things. Like mm-hmm. I could see that being uncomfortable. So how do you know if it's like not a good connection or they're pushing you in positive ways, you know? I mean, I think if it's like your first or second session and they're asking you questions that you don't feel comfortable That's, asking, yeah, yeah. well, and that may even be, you may not be ready for therapy or therapy for the things that you're ready for. Okay. I think what's really interesting in my work at Tiller was people present oftentimes to therapy with the thing they're comfortable saying they're coming to therapy before. That's probably not the real reason they're coming to therapy or it's one of the like multitude of things. Sure. So like if you are showing up with a big giant thing and it maybe isn't like a little thing or something that's uncomfortable or you're just out of sorts, like if you're showing up with something big and giant and they start asking probing questions and you don't feel safe, probably not a great fit. But I also think a lot of people show up saying like, oh, I'm kind of feeling anxious. Well, I'm anxious because I think my marriage is falling apart. I may lose my job and like I'm caring for an aging parent. Right. Okay. Getting what got you to through the door was anxiety. We'll like skirt around that for a few sessions and then we'll kind of get to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. Um, I also found that in my first session, I just started telling people like, look, I'm a grown up. I'm not everybody's cup of tea. My hope is that we have three or four sessions together. You feel that we built rapport and that I'm the person you want to do the work with. But what's more important to me as a clinician is that you find your person to do the work with. So please, if at any point in our treatment, you don't feel like I'm the person, you doing the work with someone like you feel safe with is much more important than like Mm. my feelings. I am 100% aware that is not how all clinicians approach the work. Um, But I think... Therapy is a service that you're paying for. And while I don't always like to think it, (laughs) think of it in that way as a clinician, the reality is if you aren't getting what you want from the service, it is okay to go to someone else Mm. to do the service. And um, I don't think we always like to think about therapy that way. But like to me, it's kind of like, If you went to a mechanic that like every time you went screwed up your car, you're not going to keep going to that mechanic. Like if you're showing up to a therapist that it's like, I don't know that we're making progress or I'm feeling significantly worse about myself after every session. And we've been at this for three months. Like maybe or maybe talk to somebody else in your life like, hey, I'm going to therapy and this is kind of coming up. For me, is this a me thing or is this a therapist thing? Mm, that's good. I mean, I wish it was so much easier yeah. than it was. No, it's super complicated. Yeah. And it it's it can feel overwhelming. And I think if you already are <laughs> dealing with some stuff <laughs> and thinking about therapy, that like trying to find a therapist could like compound sort of like uh how hard it is, you know? So if you live in Texas just take all the guesswork out. JJ's amazing. <laughs> just go to JJ. I mean, that's, that's pretty, 
it's pretty easy. Uh, but no, I, I, I think, uh, acknowledging how complicated all that is, is like a real thing. And you know, it's, it's not easy, but you're worth it. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're worth it. Sorry. That's, that's what I meant. Well, I know. But when you use the butt, that's like one of my therapy things. It's like, oh, and when you, you're worth it. When you I, say I like a thing and then you say, but it like negates what's gotcha. before it yeah the disjunctive sorry i should have used a conjunctive i apologize uh <laughs> weird, and weird therapist jj showing up you're worth it uh and so um that's a lot that feels like a lot uh packed into an episode it does i hope that's not too much therapy no, talk no, no i think well if they made it this far they're enjoying it so. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh yeah we again we just appreciate uh, all y'all and and what you do and and the shares and um yeah here we go i'm sure this won't be the last time we talk about uh therapy and with counseling so anything else did we did we nail it as always we covered it in its entirety perfectly done that's awesome all right y'all well uh i guess check us out on uh you know social media uh you can follow me at theology of hustle you can follow jj at jj blanford Uh, to stay up to date with everything we got going on. And uh, we'll see you next time at the Magic Table. Bye.